0: Have you ever felt stuck? Like you just didn't know where to turn next. Completely unsure of what to do. If you're like me, I've felt this way since, oh, about mid-March, you know, last year. And that's when everything started uh, shutting down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, initially they even uh, uh, told churches, of a certain size you gotta shut down and I, I imagine it's hard to uh, run a restaurant or run a business and be told that you're, you're not essential uh, what, a, what a wonderful message from the government you're not essential and so you have to shut down it's pretty hard to have a restaurant or a business without customers isn't it and I can tell you from experience that it's pretty hard to have church without people Um, If you're in charge of anything that got hindered by the pandemic, I I can imagine that uh, you understand what it means to feel stuck, and it can bring about feelings of uh, frustration, at the very least. You know, when you're unsure of what to do, for any reason, whether it's something outside of your control or for any other reason, um, it can be pretty upsetting. I mean, you get some bad news. Maybe uh, you get the news that you're hoping to get that new job or to get that promotion, and it doesn't go to you. It goes to someone else. And uh, so it's like, what do I do now? What's next? What can you do? You know, you wanted someone else to win the election, and it didn't happen. What do you do? Hopefully you didn't storm the Capitol. They'll be looking for you soon. Um, You make plans to go a certain direction in life. And you're pretty certain that uh, this is the direction you need to go, and then the door closes. What do you do when the door closes? I know the song and the cute little saying on the plaque says, look for a window. But there's no window, and there's no way to kick the door in, so what do you do? You know, you just feel stuck. Have you ever been there where you just feel stuck? And maybe you feel that way even right now. Well, there's a short passage of Scripture that I want us to look at. It's in Acts chapter 16. Take your Bible, if you have your Bible, and turn to Acts chapter 16. If not, the scriptures will appear in just a minute uh, behind me on the screens. In Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. And here's the situation in this passage. you got a guy by the name of Paul, the apostle, maybe you've heard of him, and he's got a couple of companions who are with him at this point. And one of them is named Silas, and the other one is a guy named Timothy that he picked up previously. And they're on this missionary journey. And here's what they're doing. They're doing a couple of things. Number one, if they go to some place where the gospel's already been preached and there's a church there, people who've responded to the gospel, and that's really what a church is. They're encouraging the people in those cities and in in those churches. They're strengthening their hearts, encouraging them with the scriptures to continue in the faith. The second thing they're doing is when they enter an area that has not yet had the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to them, they tell those people who Jesus is. You see, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they want people to know that God loves them so much that he became a human. He became one of us. That's who Jesus is. And Jesus made it possible for us to have our sins forgiven. All of them. And for us to have eternal life with God. How? By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all all of our sins, all of our offenses and crimes against God, that's what sin is, it requires a penalty. The penalty, the payment for our sin has to be nothing short of death. Physical and spiritual eternal death is the penalty that we must bear because we've disobeyed God. However, Jesus died on a cross and paid the penalty in our place. And so then, a few days later, God raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, after that, ascended to, the, ascended to heaven as Lord overall. And so if we will confess, that means if we will speak say with all sincerity that Jesus is Lord and if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead the Bible says that we will be saved. We will have all of our sins forgiven. We will have the gift of eternal life. And even though our bodies might die, we will continue to live with the Lord, And this is the message, this is the essential message that Paul and Silas and Timothy wanted people to know. And so they were journeying to lands that the gospel perhaps had not yet gone, the good news had not yet gone. And they were devoted to taking this message to people who have not yet heard. And so Paul and Silas, they begin their journey in a town called Antioch around the modern day Lebanon of uh, uh, or I should say, Turkey-Syria border. In Antioch of ancient Syria, and they make their way to Derby in present-day Turkey, and they then go on to Lister, and that's where they picked up Timothy, and uh, then they get to this region, sort of in the middle of Turkey, called uh, Phrygia and Galatia. A couple of regions there. They get about to that area, and that's where they get stuck. That's where they don't know what to do next. What they want to do. They want to turn left and take the gospel to the south. They want to take the gospel into an area uh, that they called back then Asia. We call Asia something much larger now. But that didn't happen. They didn't turn left. Why? Because of Acts chapter 16 verse 6. Here's what we read. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there and tell them the gospel. And so they kept on going in the same direction that they were headed. Now, I want you to notice something that we don't read, and you might wonder, how in the world can I notice something that I don't read? You know, how can I see something that's not there? Well, here's how you do it, by putting, themse- putting yourself in their shoes. Let me ask you a question. When your plans don't work out the way you intended them to work out, when things don't go according to plan... I mean, when you think that even God himself has set the course of your life in a certain way, in the way that you're living it, and when you've prayed about it and you're, you're living according to God's word, you're trying to be as obedient as you can, you're trying to be the best dad that you can be, the best mom that you can be, you're trying to be the best co-worker you can be, and so and you love God and you want to serve God and you believe that you perhaps have even heard from God and he wants you to do a certain thing and you're trying to do it and then God says no. God says no. What do you do? What do you usually do? You know what a lot of Christians do? A lot of Christians, as soon as they begin to experience any resistance, any obstacle at all, they begin to think, Ah, you know what? (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't be doing this at all. You know, maybe, maybe I wasn't called to this type of ministry. Maybe I want out of this marriage. Maybe I don't want to raise these kids. Maybe I... I uh, don't want to, to do this, whatever it is, that I think maybe that in the past I think I should have done. But now things are getting a little bit hard. Things are a little bit rough. Maybe this isn't God's will. Maybe I should just give up. I went out. I'm done. You know, I try to serve God, try to do the right thing, and nothing works out. So I quit. Well, Paul didn't quit. You don't read anything like that. In this passage, Paul didn't quit when he ran into some obstacles. And you might think, well, there's a reason. No, the reason Paul didn't quit is because he was called to something special. Paul was a missionary. I'm nothing special. I don't have a calling from God, but I think you're wrong. I think you are special. I think you do have a calling from God. Maybe you don't even know what it is. You see, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has a calling from God. There is something special and unique that God wants you to do. And only you can do it. Do you want to figure out what it is? Here's how you figure out your calling. Look at your life. Look at the way God designed you. He made you different than the person sitting next to you. Look at the way God designed you. What do I mean? What I mean is this. The calling of God on our lives doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not random. I'll give you an example. When God called Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt... It wasn't because God just sort of randomly selected any old shepherd that happened to be on the mountain that day. It wasn't that at all. Moses had a backstory uniquely suited for the job. Moses was an Israelite, and yet he was raised in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh knew him, Pharaoh would give him an audience. Moses spoke the language, literally. God's calling on Moses matched who Moses already was. And it was not by accident or mistake. When God called Mary to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, it wasn't because God randomly chose any teenage girl for the task. No, God the Father selected someone who was Jewish, whose ancestor was King David, who was a virgin, who already had a strong faith in God, and who was betrothed to a man who himself had a strong faith in God. It wasn't random at all. God chose just the right person in Mary. Mary even had the right name. Can you imagine trying to sing the song, Gertrude, Did You Know? <laughs> just doesn't flow, does it? It's totally ridiculous. When the Lord Jesus called Paul to be his apostle to the Gentiles, it wasn't because Paul was sort of randomly picked out of, his name was picked out of a hat, and it just happened to be Paul. No. Paul had the characteristics that God was looking for in that task. Paul was a student of Scripture. He was highly, highly educated. He was a citizen of Rome. He was a Jew at the same time. And he had a zealousness that would not let him quit or be deterred. So when I say that you have a calling... I'm telling you, look at your life. Look at who you are. Are you of a certain profession? That is very much a part of your calling. Are you a mother or a father? That is an essential part of your calling. Whatever way that God has made you, in whatever setting you find yourself God has called you, Christian, to be a missionary. He has called you to live for Him in that area, to be an example to others, to tell people in your world about Jesus. He's called you to live a holy life before others for Jesus. And when you get to the point in your life that you believe that God has made you a certain way, that it fits the calling that God has given you, It is at that point that you're going to have a determination in your purpose to not give up when you get stuck. Someone who gives up easily, they don't know what their purpose is. But someone who has settled the issue, they know who they are, they know God has made them that way, and they know God has called them to that task, they're not going to give up. They will be settled in their disposition. You see, when a person with an unquestionable calling gets stuck, he doesn't give up. Rather, he becomes relentless. When a person who is positive about his purpose has things go the wrong way, which happens to all of us, he does not give up. And that is what we don't read in the text. Paul never doubted his calling. He never doubted it. He never gave up. He just knew he couldn't turn left and go south. He encountered an obstacle. That's all. And the interesting thing to me is that the obstacle that he encountered was the Holy Spirit himself. It was the Holy Spirit who refused to allow him to go left. The Holy Spirit forbade Paul and the others from preaching the gospel in ancient Asia. Now, why in the world would the Holy Spirit do that? Why would the Holy Spirit, who gives people eternal life through the preaching of the gospel, forbid Paul and his associates from preaching in Asia? That's a good question. And I'm sure there's a good reason. But at this point in the story, Paul doesn't know what that reason is. But I'll tell you this. There are times in your life when the Holy Spirit will lead you to do something, or He will keep you from doing something, And you may not understand, but as a a Christian, you're not called to understand everything that God decides. We'd like to, wouldn't we? But maybe we can't handle it. God hasn't called you to understand everything in His mind, but He has called you to obey everything that He's told you. And so Paul knew he just had to obey. Don't turn left. Okay, so Paul and Silas and Timothy, knowing that God would not let them go to the left, knowing that God would not let them go south, they decided to continue on to their journey, uh, On their journey, and they, became, they came to a re- region called Mysia. And when they arrived in this region of Mysia, they had another decision to make. Should they turn right? And should they go to this other region called Bithynia? Verse 7 of Acts chapter 16. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The Spirit of Jesus, which is another way of saying the Holy Spirit, denied them entrance into Bithynia. Again, why? We're not told. But maybe it'll become a little bit more clear soon. So, these three men, not allowed by God to turn to the left, not allowed by God to turn to the right, They continued on the path that they were already on. And in verses 8 and 9, here's what we read. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with them. Cross over into Macedonia and help us. To give you an idea about Macedonia, this is the difference in modern day between Turkey and Greece, which is next to Turkey. They were at the edge of Turkey. Paul had a vision of a Macedonian man saying, Come and help us. Paul had this vision in the middle of the night. Whether it was a a vision and a dream or or Paul was awake, we don't know. But this man in in modern-day Greece, in Macedonia, cried out, called out, Cross over to Macedonia and help us. We don't know who the Macedonian man was in this vision. We don't know his name, and his name doesn't matter. If it mattered, we would be told. What matters is this. In this passage are two things. Number one is the way God works, and number two is our obedience, our faithfulness to Him. I believe that most of us lose sight of the way God works. We say that God works in mysterious ways, and, and certainly He does. But as Christians, we have some insight into how God works, but we lose sight of it so easily. Because we can't see what goes on in the invisible spiritual realm, even as believers, We mistakenly come to the point in our lives where we live just like everybody else. We live just according to the things that we see, the things that we experience in this physical realm. And we don't live truly by faith. Here are some of the things that we don't see on a regular basis. We don't see how the forces of good and evil, holy angels and demonic spirits battle one another in the heavenly realm. They battle one another for the souls of men and for the control of the nations. Let me make it more personal. What we don't see are how the forces of good and evil in the spiritual realm battle one another for the souls of your kids and grandkids. We don't see that. It's in the spiritual realm. But it happens. It's happening now. And if you're not a part of the battle through prayer, you might as well be aiding and abetting the enemy. We need to take seriously our role in the spiritual realm through prayer for the souls of the people that we love. We don't see that happening because it's in the invisible realm. We don't see the connection between the terrible things that we experience, such as disease and strife, conflict, marital discourse, disobedient children, crime, lawlessness, war. We don't see the connection between the terrible things that we experience and the spiritual realities behind them. We don't see that. We're just sort of in the moment of experiencing all these negative things. We don't see the real difference that our prayers make in the heavenly places. When a mother cries out for the salvation of her child, we don't see that the Lord at that moment may be breaking down spiritual strongholds in that child's heart to enable that child to finally see Jesus for who he is and respond to the gospel. We don't see whether the Lord is at that moment placing a believer in that child's life that the child will listen to when the child doesn't listen to mama anymore. We don't see that. But for the mother that gives up praying for the salvation of her child, she's giving up the battle. We don't see the cry of a man who does not know God, a man without the gospel. We don't see him cry out in desperation to the unknown God to reveal himself. The man prays, I know you're there, God. I see everything you've created. I can sense your majesty I feel your glory. All of the gods of my neighbors are insufficient. They're made by human hands. These gods are fake. These gods have all the failings of humanity, the humans that made them. But I believe, God, that you're real. I believe that there is a Most High God who has no human failings. I believe that you are the true God. Hide yourself from me no longer. I want to know you. I want to worship you. We don't see that cry. We don't hear that prayer very often. And we don't see what God does when a prayer like that reaches His ears. But every once in a while we do. In Acts chapter 8, there was an Ethiopian man who the Bible says was searching the Scriptures. But he didn't understand what he was reading. He didn't understand who this was that the Scriptures pointed to. And so he was asking God, and God gave Philip to him to explain that the Scriptures were talking about Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, there was another man by the name of Cornelius, a devout man, a God-fearing man. And he prayed to God constantly. But he didn't know Jesus. He was seeking. And so God enabled him to find a man by the name of Peter who introduced him to Jesus. And I wonder could it be in Acts chapter 16 that there was a Macedonian man who is knocking on the door to heaven, asking God to bring someone to him who could show him how to have a relationship with him? Perhaps God opened the door to that knock of heaven by sending him Paul and Silas and Timothy. It was Jesus who said in the Sermon on the Mount, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God will not turn anyone away who seeks after him. We don't see what was going on in the spiritual realm except for this in verse 9 of our passage in Acts 16. During the night, for some reason, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us and because Paul understood his calling and did not give up when he encountered some obstacles, and because he was undeterred but rather relentless in obeying his calling, he was ready to act immediately. And here's what Paul and his others did, Silas and Timothy, verse 10. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Why not turn left and preach the gospel in Asia? Why not turn right and preach the gospel in Bithynia? Because God had other plans. If Paul's journey had taken him elsewhere, there very well may have not only been a man, but a whole group of people in Macedonia who were ready and eager to hear the gospel and yet had no one to tell them about Jesus. And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Listen, God worked all of this out exactly according to his plan, in part, Because Paul understood his calling and he was relentless in obeying it, even when he was stuck. If you feel stuck in life, it is a real good opportunity to turn to God with a heart willing to obey Him. Let me ask you a question. It's the most important question I could ask you today. Do you know this Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord? Do you know him as your Lord? That's where you need to start. If you don't know him as your Lord, then here's what you need to do. Confess that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the grave. And you will be saved. Christian, do you know what your calling in life is? Examine yourself. Ask God to show you today. And if you're ready to obey God, don't delay. Obey Him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to come together as a church, even in the midst of uh, some difficult times. And to hear your word, to sing songs of praise to you, together with one another in Christian fellowship and love. And Father, I pray if there's one person listening to this message right now who is ready to receive you, Lord Jesus, give them the courage to act on that faith and to say yes and to turn to you and to call out to you for salvation. Father, let them understand that this is a lifelong commitment. An eternal commitment, really. And Father, I pray that they will embrace you undeterred. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.